0: To the Eden Hour podcast, where we hold important conversations that help grow the long-term Solana NFT ecosystem. During Eden Hour, we talk to creators, thought leaders, and other Solana friends. My name is Tiff, and my co-host is DJ Trix. This podcast is brought to you by Magic Eden, home to the next generation of digital creators on
1: Solana. Hi, and welcome to the Eden Hour podcast. I'm DJ Tricks. here today with Mike Dudas, and some very special guests alongside Mike Dudas. We've got Josh and Jack from Magic Eden. Welcome, guys. Howdy. How are you doing, Mike? How's it going? Hey, what's going on, everyone? Yeah, I thought it'd be good to start with a quick introduction. We could start with Jack, I think would be a good place yeah. to begin. Um, if we go around, we'll do a quick intro. Jack, Zed, and I'll get into it with Mike.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Jack here, one of the co founders of Magic Eden. Previously worked at FTX. Previously was uh, a product manager at Google. Um, And yeah, like started uh, started Magic Eden with you know Jushun, one of our uh, one of my friends from the Bay Area, and Sid, uh, another like high school friend uh, who was also in the Bay Area for a while, and another co-founder. Yeah, very surprised that uh, you know like traction was um uh, went so fast, but. Pretty, pretty glad that we you know we got to um, you know, do something with like and bring like a a good user experience to the Solana NFT uh, ecosystem. Yeah.
2: Zed? Hey guys, Josh in here or or Zed, go, go by both. Zed's become for some reason my NFT name in the last three months. Um so yeah, super happy to be here. Apologies in the in advance for some <laughs> some like crows in the background. I'm in like the mountains of Queensland, if uh, people know where that is, into the, the deep bush of Australia. Um, yeah, quick background. So myself, uh, yeah, I'm one of the founders as well, alongside Jack and Sid. We before before Magic Edens, I was spent some time in Coinbase and DYDX. So I've been building stuff in crypto for the last of four and a half years or so, four or five years. Yeah, super happy to be here. Like Mike has been an amazing supporter of ours since almost day one. Um, Uh, I'll I'll share some stories after, but uh, I'll I'll let him introduce himself first. (laughs) Thank
3: you. Um, Mike Dudas, uh, fortunate to be an investor in Magic Eden via Six Man Ventures, uh, which is an early stage Web3 uh, crypto investment fund. Uh, We just closed our second fund, $125 million, and uh, really excited about the opportunities in the space. met the Magic Eden team because I'm an NFT obsessive and was using uh, the product heavily, me and my partner, Serge Kassarjian. Uh, and we said, damn, like, this is amazing. It was like two weeks old at the time. Best experience we'd seen exchange experience on Solana. Um, and so we just cold called outreach. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, Jack and Zed took the call. Uh, and here we are. Uh, in addition to investing out of 6 Man Ventures have spent you know seven years In crypto, four years full time, I started The Block, which is a crypto media research information business. I worked at Paxos for the past year running stablecoin business and recently started a project called LinksDAO, which is basically a global community governed golf and leisure club. And we just started that about six weeks ago, raised $11.5 million in an NFT sale and are really excited to go out this year. And purchase our first uh, real world golf course, which will be governed by a global group of uh, NFT holders, which is really really exciting.
1: Mike, you're doing a lot, aren't you? Like that's one of the first things I wanted to ask: is how, <laughs> like, how do you manage to, to juggle all of these like really really big things that you're like leading or working on at the same time?
3: So yeah, the key is one. Uh, you know, life is super unpredictable. So make sure you're kind of in the in the stream of, of doing things that you love. So for example, LinkStout, you know, if you'd asked me two months ago, would I be, you know, involved with a team and building, you know, one of the larger sort of online, offline web three communities? Uh, I would have been like, what do you mean? Like, no, it's not even a thought, but it was an idea that I, you know I had with a group of folks, and, and here we are. In terms of managing time, again, you have to love it. Um, I basically almost never turn it off. I'm 42 and I'm, I guess, working more than I ever have in my life. Uh, but it sort of everything blends in and the work is play. Like I love being in the Discord talking you know, with the Linkstack community. I love being on Telegram or on podcasts like this, you know, talking with founders that we're supporting. So I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, I do have to find a little more balance. I'm, I'm For the first time in my life, I uh, am behind on email and I'm not at inbox zero, which pains me and gives me anxiety. And I'm trying to be a dad
2: too, uh, and a, and a good husband. So, uh, I think the, the answer, Mike, is that you're gonna stop sweeping floors. Like <laughs> yeah. That's maybe taking up too much of your time. Then,
3: I do think that the NFT obsession probably I have to leave that in 2021. Uh, yeah, and get back focused.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can relate. Uh, I'm 42 as well, and I, I've never worked. Anywhere near as, as uh frantically and hard as I do right now, I think there's so much opportunity, which is partly why I'm so keen to. to push well, that's so the big thing. Is right like it's I've never seen an
3: inflection point like this where I think the opportunity and the leverage to being involved is is you know so great, and you know, you want to be working in a space where there's no experts, and, and frankly, um, you know, many of the smartest people in the world who understand who understood quote unquote Web two. You know, basically think you know, Web3 and this ownership economy are a farce. And I think, you know, if you deeply believe that it's not, you have an incredible amount of leverage with tremendous upsides, you might as well put in the work, you know, right now, because there are no experts and nobody's certain.
1: So with the VC fund, with six men, um, what sort of things are you investing into? And how do you structure the portfolio there for the VC fund and the, the support that you give to these um, companies that you invest in?
3: Yeah, so we're a bit more of an index portfolio than a highly concentrated fund. So you know, we typically will participate in rounds you know, versus leading, um, which means you, know, you don't take board seats. But uh, and by the way, this is very typical of what we see as like crypto syndicates. Um, you have a handful of firms who kind of will lead and take you know, really really big chunks rounds, but in most cases, uh, you have folks like Six Feet Ventures who help with very specific things like marketing, communications, uh, PR, you know, community building. That's that's our focus and our angle. Another one you know, might be like business development and, and things of that nature. So those are areas that we specialize. In, and typically, you know, a company like Magic Eden, I'll let them talk about it but when they put a round together, they'll have three, four, five, you know, specialist firms, you know, somebody who can provide liquidity, token economics, um, you know, and other specialties, uh, like international specialty, things
1: like that. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from you Magic Eden guides as well on the other side of it, how, how it is to be raising capital from from these VCs and these big investors.
0: Do you want to jump in
2: on that one? Yeah. I mean,
1: I feel like it's there's never been a better time to be a
2: founder right now. Just because, like, to Mike's earlier point, no one's an expert, so there's a ton of greenfield, ton of stuff to work on, like many problems unsolved. And then two, there's like a lot of capital sloshing around, and like most most interesting things that you could conceive of, like, can probably get funded at this point. Um, You know, obviously, we picked a business that was like fairly you know, it's tried and tested, so to speak. It's just building an exchange in a particular category that that category seems to be, yeah, you know, uh, just tends to be like NFTs, which is obviously booming. But really, it's uh, I'd say like if you're thinking about it, like there's no better time than now. And you know, yeah, I think the way we thought about fundraising from a Magic Eden standpoint was like, yeah, we wanted a couple of a couple of big names and then three or four specialist funds to to Mike's point around like you know things that you know we specifically wanted some direct impact on, help on on etc um you know we we're gonna announce our, our raise pretty shortly so I, I won't I' won't sort of uh I won't spoil it here but um I think uh, that's sort of how we thought about it and you know like for, for when we talked to Mike for example for the first time I think one of the first things he said was like oh I just swept the floor on am like stylish starts <laughs> shout out to Ian by the way who's uh the, the founder there um, we and actually would just like Ian as well by the way so we love yeah I
3: invested my <laughs> lot
2: <laughs> nice, nice. We were just like, "Damn, this guy's at least just a power user." You know, like this guy like eats and breeds it. And um, we want those kind of those kind of guys on our side. Um, you know, we have a joke at Magic Eden that's like, l- "Lunatics only work here," because we're we're going pretty hard, and you know, we're, we're doing this for a lot of hours of the day. But it's also because we love it. And like, I just got that feeling immediately when when, when Mike uh, first spoke to us. We were like, "Yeah." this is... This guy's this guy's gonna be in. Yeah.
1: yeah, you can tell straight away it's a good fit.
2: Yeah, I wanna,
0: I wanna like um yeah, I think like there was definitely a little bit of like strategy around like fun construction, different skill sets, but uh like at least for me, I always felt like uh it's like people first, you know, uh you wanna work with people who are super excited to work with you. And then um yeah, when we when we first met Mike and Surge, <laughs> they were so into NFTs. They were like helping us, uh, you know, with with things on Twitter, like. And we just thought, like, yeah, this guy is bringing a lot of energy, and he's, you know, his team is really bringing, like, you know, like really going to bat for us, right? And and really felt like, um, I don't know, we're like the same animal in, in some ways. So we thought, like, definitely have to get these guys in.
2: I remember this was like two weeks in, you know, so it's like yeah. <laughs> having someone coming to bat me pretty hard, and like. Willing to use the product in a big way, uh, it's it means a lot to founders, and I think um, it you're just goes to show like there's a, there's a lot of investors out there who, who probably go nowhere near the product and kind of talk a big game. Um, so when we, yeah, it's very noticeable. Is all I'll say, and um, that was one of the big big I think big drivers, and uh, why well, was super excited to work with uh, with Mike and the team. And Mike, you,
1: thing, okay, oh, yeah, carry
0: on, it, carry on. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that was really interesting, I think, Mike, like you guys invested in a lot of uh, um, NFT marketplaces on ETH as well, right? So, like, in some of our early discussions, that, you know, some of the lessons and like kind of ringside uh, observations from, you know, those earlier on uh, NFT marketplaces and their growth journey, and some of those have, uh, uh, you know, how, how they went, those lessons were pretty interesting for us. Uh, so, I thought like that was, you know, that was super insightful as well.
3: Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing of crypto is uh, you know, and especially with these participatory rounds where you're, you know, you're basically sharing some common learnings and things and patterns that you've seen, and and yeah, the iteration and the pace, you know, from company to company and even within companies, so rapid, and changes so you know quickly. That you know you can try to distill those learnings and then you know basically you know, share them out and and they're typically not directly competitive right because you know, Magic Eden exists on Solana you know the other marketplace we've inv- investments that we've made you know exist on ETH that could change over time of course and you know but like uh, you know you've just seen Magic Eden's growth the the pace from October to now you know from effectively not existing so zero percent market share to. I think now like above 85-90%. Anyway, it was just clear from from day one from using the product that that it would you know
1: look like that.
3: Probably a good place to segue to what else is happening, right? In Solana NFTs.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot happening in Solana NFTs, right?
3: It it really, yeah, it's a it's an exciting time. What I would say is at the highest level, the Solana NFT ecosystem feels today very, very different the community overlap uh, with you know, from, from the Ethereum, for example, you know, NFT uh, investor and collector ecosystem, which is I would say different as well from like the NBA top shot you know, slash flow ecosystem. By the way, I don't think that will continue in the long run, you're gonna see you know, more blends, more cross chain compatibility across marketplaces, across wallets, um, and some of that cross chain complexity abstracted away from the users. But, but the communities might not, I mean, but that might not matter if the communities stay distinct and the creators and the, and the focus stays distinct. So anyway, what you see on Solana is, um, and, and where we've invested and frankly what I use, uh, is a lot more sort of gaming related, you know, NFTs. By the way, that's not to say that the games exist yet. Like I think a lot, you're going to just see an explosion in you know volume of trading and NFT utility and usage on Solana in 2022. You know, folks like Arori and you know, Faraway Games and others, um, as their products and their games come to market in addition to the NFTs. But Solana is like the perfect blockchain for that, and yeah, I think the Magic Eden folks can probably talk about how they're constructing the marketplace to support those types of assets, but. You know, it's kind of similar. There, there's a few on Ethereum, right? Like Zed Run. There's, um, you know, you've got Parallel NFTs, uh, and it, it, yeah, but but the way that the Solana NFT ecosystem is evolving again is like more of these. I think you're going to see more of these gaming assets, higher volume, and and more perhaps utility than just pure kind of like the profile pick projects and the exclusive one of one art that you maybe see, you know, on Ethereum today.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's totally right yeah I think like the the biggest observation i'll see is that I'll say is that like there's just a lot more um willingness to kind of just launch a project on Solana like people are really i think it's because things are cheap people are willing to try new things and that's why w- at least we are seeing um you know many many projects that like kind of get get off the ground and um they start off as sort of you know experiments or, or side projects, and then very quickly the team is like, okay, cool. Like, I can get validation pretty quickly, right? Because, um, you know, there's no, like, upfront cost of capital, so to speak, to get things spun up as much as there is on, on ETH at the moment. And that's not to say this will be the case forever, but that's definitely the dynamics that we see at the moment with a lot of projects that we talk to. Um, yeah, and then I think, you know, we're sort of pretty big believers in categories proliferating faster on on Solana um and you know we agree on the gaming front we've been working a lot super closely with Faraway and uh, many of these types of projects and teams and you know they all pick solana for a very you know intentional reason and that's because they sort of believe that a lot of the stuff is going to live here in the future um so so we believe that but i think you know on a long enough time horizon all the stuff will probably converge anyway but it's sort of like A lot can happen in 12, 18 months, right? If that's the period of time where other chains are still kind of growing their ecosystems or like migrating to layer twos and all these things that are sort of happening on other chains, that process is not instant, it's not immediate. And even when those things happen, like liquidity has to migrate. So like these things take time. And in that interim period, it sort of feels, at least from our team standpoint, that a lot of the action will probably be on Solana. And we're sort of seeing that in the data too.
1: Yeah, why is that? Why do you think people, like will ask this to all of you guys, why are people using Solana more for these gaming projects compared to something like a, a Layer 2 on Ethereum? Yeah, I so... Think, um, oh, you go first, yeah. Jack.
0: No, I think like, um, well, there's definitely like the, the, um, the first order, like facts around like throughput, consumer user experiences being supported by like, you know, the speed and fast finality times of Solana. But at the same time, I think like there is like a little bit of a... Uh, a competition right now be- between some of the L2s like Polygon uh, and 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 Solana for for games. Even like BSC also has uh, uh, has some like penetration around like play to earn games. Um, but I think like on Solana like you know like Anatoly previously used to say hey like this they they chose Rust um, that there's some really deliberate plan uh, intentions for them to to choose Rust as a programming language and they think that hey this is a language that has a lot of um you know uh non web3 developer community but also it yeah, actually takes a pretty solid engineer to understand like this paradigm and this architecture and i think like yeah on uh, on solana there is uh like a, a kind of a pretty high bar like for engineers uh and and talent to move over and uh in some ways like some of the gaming folks those are like real serious engineers who uh have you know uh experience, uh, perspective, uh, and capabilities from their like non-Web3 uh, experiences. And they're kind of taking their talents and seeing the opportunity that's in Solana and moving across. Um, but there is a little bit of a uh, yeah a uh, 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 run for their money from Polygon. Though, I think, yeah. Do this, I, I don't know if you have... Yeah, thoughts? I would
3: agree with that as well. I mean, it, it seems to me like right now, Polygon and or Solana are the two sort of straightforward... Choices. If you're looking for again a you know, high high throughput, um, you know relatively low fee, you know high availability uh, blockchain that you're confident is is going to be around as well, right? In 24 months and in a relatively you know similar form. Because by the way, and already and already has you know an ecosystem around it with you know, well developed wallet support. With users, with people who hold the token, and there's money. I mean, those things are important um, because, as as Jack mentioned, many of the builders right now are building projects that have that 12, 18, 24 month um, time horizon to be built. And by the way, I think the certainty, the, the sort of the uncertainty around the compete competition within the different L2s. Is something that disadvantages them for projects that are really serious, you know, have deep technical depth and long delivery roadmaps right now. Um, so, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of those types of projects make choices for Solana, Polygon, and and, and some, you know, in L2s, there are L2s that will exist in the long run. I just think for for many folks, they view it as a little bit riskier at the moment.
1: Do you think Ethereum is maybe a little bit like an elitist thing? Like it's hard for the average guy who's maybe a casual retail investor with 50K portfolio to just jump in and trade. Yeah, so you're not going to use Ethereum L1.
3: Yeah, I've talked a bunch about this recently, like personally, publicly. And I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off there while you uh, were saying that. So I've talked to bunch about this like you cannot transact in small amounts uh, you know, particularly you know ethereum so defi ties to like web3 right like you want one place to do all the things with your money, right? Like ultimately the way this is going to shape up is you're gonna have your sort of crypto portfolio and account, you're gonna have some of your money that's resting at any given time and that you want to like earn yield, for example. So you wanna have like a borrow and lend protocol or you wanna get leverage and borrow so that you can do things and actually use Web3 applications. to do both of those things right now on Ethereum L1, you were absolutely, I'm almost priced out. <laughs> like, you know, and like when it, you you have to invest, for example, on L1 protocols, sums in the tens of thousands of dollars uh, to justify the fees that you're going to pay, you know, staking, unstaking, moving things in and out of, you know, it's, they're basically institutional only products right now. Um, there are ways to do this in L2, and a lot of the best wallets in Ethereum do allow you to do that automatically, like Argent. And you know, you can do this through interfaces where you can transact on L1, you know, for DeFi. Uh, but yeah, like you, you basically can only do really high-value things um, in a in a credible, reasonable way on Ethereum L1. But you know, look, the benefit is like high security guarantees. Um, again, a culture and a willingness of people to spend significant money on Ethereum. L1. So, you know, whether that's like high, high, high value NFT art collection, um, and you know things like institutional DeFi, those things still do happen there. Um, but for a new person to retail chains like Solana, you know Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, Flow, Avalanche, etc., make a lot more sense. People don't understand the concept of paying, you know. $10 for a basic transaction or $125 for a complex one. It just doesn't register. Do
1: you think that might be a bit intimidating yeah, as well? Like if you're a new guy who's coming to NFTs for the first time, you want to buy one and then you come to these communities and maybe you feel a bit out of your depth. But when you come to Solana, it's different because you can you can come to Solana with with whatever a much smaller portfolio and you can be profitable because you've got no gas fees, and the community. This is just seems like a more open community that are just welcoming to to everybody. You're not going to feel like a sort of yeah, intimidated or out of your depth by all the whales necessarily. The whales are just as friendly as the the regular guys. It seems in Solana. I think that's right. I was going to say, man, I have like
2: I don't know, dude, just probably feels this too. I mean, I have, I had put in some low, me, medium to low amount of money because I'm definitely not a whale into compound. You know, back in twenty. 20- Nineteen or something, twenty eighteen, and I just can't take it out now because it's too expensive. <laughs> that money's just lost. I feel like I'm, just, I'm just never going to take that out. Uh, I feel that like, oh yeah, way. That's probably true for any like L1 DeFi app. If you had money sitting in there, like that's straight up TBL. That's just never coming out now.
3: I basically waited until the point where I had earned you know enough yield that I like could basically um that all my profits would be nuked when I did withdraw it, just so I could withdraw because also the tokens themselves haven't really gone anywhere so you know you're staking there earning some rewards the cost of unstaking and removing them from the protocol is basically the rewards you've earned and the core token price has gone down um you know look there as we've discussed like a lot of these things are you know, theoretically being solved with rollups and and so it's but it's it's unclear and really, really challenging for the non-sophisticated user. So you're just, you're moving back to a world where you're trusting third parties to make decisions for you about where to sort of auto-invest in your behalf, which is somewhat against like the ethos of crypto, which is why I think, you know, l ones that allow you to make decisions to self-custody uh, and to make these decisions with a relatively low fee are actually freeing and, and you know very close, you're closer to the crypto ethos in many ways. And but you're a board ape yacht club guy, right, Mike? So I do, yeah. I guess my you know my security is just broken by the fact that I talk about these things, and you know, I have the CryptoPunk as my um, you know profile pic on Twitter. But yeah, like, look, I love uh, these NFTs and and their communities. I think they're fun. Yep. You know, I would definitely say part of the reason I love them is because they keep going up in value. So there's no question that you know speculation and communities like have a lot more fun uh, together when yeah you know, the value, the collective value of the community and the you know, developers and the like leadership have created is increasing. Um, but we are in a you know, really virtuous cycle right now. Like the NFT space broadly, in um, these communities, whether it be profile pictures, gaming, you know, projects, etc., uh, you know, haven't really seen a sustained significant drawdown uh, in, you know, since the sort of renaissance that started in, call it mid-2020 with Top Shot, um, with NBA Top Shot from, from Dauper Labs. You know, there have been you know many crashes and, and things of that nature, but uh, it, it just feels like these are products that like people absolutely love and they love the communities and they love trading and discussing it's all the stuff that like I certainly did as a kid and I think many of us did where you're collecting together and sharing, but it's on steroids with a global community, you know, again, censorship resistant, so you can access it from anywhere, you can trade with anybody, you can discuss on Discord and in private chats with folks. I mean, it's just so much fun to collect these things, and then you mentioned Board Yeah, that's sort of the poster child for this new breed of community they have in real, you know, real world benefits and, like, merchandise, and people are starting to, like, you know, self-identify as part of the club, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's a cool thing uh, and there's some exclusivity to it. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think the concept is a fad, um, but certainly, you know, there's not going to be, you know, thousands of, well, there might be thousands of these successful communities. They'll just turn into micro communities um, over time, is kind of my long term thesis. You know, you're not going to have, if Board Ape, if the rumors are true and, and they're actually raising at, you know, three, four, or five billion, whatever the number is, I don't, think you're, I don't think the world has changed such that there's going to be hundreds and hundreds, or thousands and thousands of brands of that size, right? There's just like only so many, you know, really high value brands that will exist in the world that people will pay money for. Um, I think Bored Ape is clearly going to be one of them. Uh, CryptoPunks and what Larva Labs produces is another. Um, yeah, you know, I think, you know. We're going to start to see more. There's Solana Monkey Business, which is sort of the pioneering one that I think probably is going to you know have that. It has a DAO around it and a great community. Yeah, that's the preeminent one that I consider. Yeah, you know, and I'm a part of on Solana. I think we'll see more of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually kind of crazy. Like, it, like they basically built this global luxury brand right like uh, like in web3 like a luxury brand of web3 in a couple of months and it's it's kind of insane and i thought like one one thing that we started seeing in solana that's really interesting is you know there's a there's a recent dip right like in the market a bit of a correction um but you don't really necessarily see the floor price of the solana nfts like dropping in fact like some of the blue chips like and apes their floor price has gone up like um uh incredibly and there were a few hypotheses from us like around why that's the case. Like number one, um, you know a lot of these like really prestige um, uh, collections, uh, it, it's it's kind of like people who's already made their money already. so it's like a status symbol, right? So it's like folks who are wealthy and not really paper hands uh, who are able to uh, withstand the uh, the correction. And then secondly, you know uh, a sense of like folks are for for like nft collections. You know the holders their mentality is a little different to like fungible tokens they price their roi in terms of like the fiat value because they may be new to the ecosystem or, or or something like that so they thought hey i bought this thing for like a thousand dollars and i still need to uh make like a thousand dollars in roi back so then i'm going to reprice it in in, in soul but like i'm going to lift up the unit value of the soul of the floor price and then yeah, we're still like we're still kind of like pontificating on what, what 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 the true issue is, but then like this this third piece around like yeah like you know these are just prestige status symbols, right? And this might not might not you know whereas in the fungible token world that might just be like some kind of investment category that people pe- people are, are are buying into, and you know in a correction they really think about like getting liquidity or like you know thinking about their risk profile. But because NFTs and PFPs are like this thing that represents their identity, it's about you know the you know the 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 access to a commu- uh, online community or something. There is just always some inherent like emotional attachment, which means that it retains it, it, its value. So, pr- pretty interesting uh, tidbits that we're seeing from the Solana ecosystem as well.
1: Yeah. I love talking about this stuff, man. You guys speak so well on these topics as well. It's so articulate. Um, with the B A Y C like, um what what do you think it is though? Like? Do you think it is that the tokenomics as well that's helped them? Like what, what are they doing that's that's different, that's made them stand out? Like
3: Yeah. Is it so is it say... something
1: to do with the with the, the people that are behind the scenes running it? Like is it just that the community around it has like got behind it? Like it's yeah, interesting to understand what what's the differentiator which has made them guys stand out so much? Yeah. So
3: one is uh, it's a great question. So one is they've rewarded their community, um, you know, multiple times, right? So you were effectively, if you owned an ape, you, know, you were airdropped uh, another, you know, board ape Kennel Club, and then later you were airdropped mutants, and I think had the ability to purchase another one as well. Um, or you, if not airdropped, you're able to mint them, right? So providing, you know, regular ongoing value to the community, which by the way, is a double-edged sword. If you overdo it, you can obviously, you know, sort of you don't want to flood the market with like too much product that gets confusing. And you've seen projects that have done that that have sort of devalued, I won't name any specifically, but that have just devalued by offering too many derivatives of their own thing. So one is Offering consistent value. Two is they did have like they were like now it's like trite for every project to just have a roadmap, but but sort of because like Board Ape did like CryptoPunks didn't have a roadmap and still doesn't. It's very different, you know. So the reasons Board Ape is successful are actually very different than CryptoPunks, um, and they stuck to their roadmap, got a really enthusiastic community, you know, behind them, and then. So that got them sort of the roadmap, the creating more value. They created sort of the playbook for what's the ideal profile pick project. And by the way, it's not that long ago as we've been talking about the time horizon is just incredible how fast these things happen. But then to sort of pour gasoline on it, I think in Q4, I think they're working with Guy Osiri, who um, also is working with World of Women. And, And he did a fantastic job along with that team of getting celebrities Involved and talking about it, such that like Paris Hilton and a bunch of others, you know, are talking about it now. And like Jimmy Fallon has one. And on the it's become it's sort of crossed over into you know, the mainstream and celebrity popularity. Um, and then lastly you know as all this is happening it's clearly in a very intentional way to your point building towards this crescendo of hey you know we have a token coming and nobody really knows exactly you know what the tokenomics will be and you know how much you know you're you're going to get airdropped for owning each particular you know an ape versus a dog versus a mutant and by the way that part of that not knowing is clearly leading to a bit of a, you know, frenzy and sort of upward movement. Um, So it's just like, they've just captured the zeitgeist the whole way. And, um, you know, it's, what's happening now looks pretty orchestrated, like the public stuff with the run-up to, you know, what seems like it'll be a funding announcement and a token drop, you know, it's, I I think they have a sustainable brand, by the way, and sustainable value in the long run. I really do. it, I've been saying I thought it was a little manic and mania feeling though, you know, back when the floor was at fifty or sixty, and you know, I think it's at like one sixteen or one eighteen or something today. ETH now ETH has repriced down, so in dollar value it's only up a little bit. We, you know, I think people price these things as we were talking about in you know maybe in dollars as you know, some of these things. So. Um, But bottom line is they executed well, and they're leaders, like not followers, in terms of how they think about um, these things. They're deliberate. And it's just the last point, and Jack made this, is it is a luxury brand. No matter what you think about the way they look... By working with all these celebrities, by being priced at the way they are, it's just become this self-reinforcing thing that the more expensive and valuable it gets, the more expensive and valuable <laughs> it gets. I forget the exact term, if it's Vetling Good or something, but it's just like, you know, they've, they've broken out. It's the thing. At least of this generation, the last generation's thing, you know, is CryptoPunks, right?
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, Judas, I'd love to uh, jump in and ask you a question. Like, what do, you, what do you think about, like, Twitter and the verified profile picture? Um, release. What do you think? Yeah. That's so,
3: happen? I think it's really neat. I didn't use it. I used it for like a day. I put LinksDAO up there to identify with with my community. If the reason it doesn't work for me is like who who stores their high value NFTs, you know, in a hot wallet. That I may, I think there might be a workaround to um, to to basically verify. But like when I first looked, i was just trying to do it quickly because you have to do it on mobile. Um, and so to do it on mobile. You know, there's no like secure way. I don't. I don't believe to do that with a high value thing. So I don't love it for that reason. Conceptually, I like it, um, but like I want a punk to represent my profile pic, and I just don't feel comfortable <laughs> verifying it in a verified way. <laughs> I think it's cool though. Um, the other thing that I think is cooler is that LinkedIn is like actually rejecting accounts and telling giving people takedown notices for having their profile pic. Uh, be oh! It's, it's like hilarious. I heard. I that. did not know that. I was like, wow, that's, that's the most crazy. wonderful boomer thing I've heard.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. That's a uh, Web two versus Web three.
1: Right <laughs> right? Microsoft, go for it. That's hilarious. I had no idea. LinkedIn, maybe LinkedIn should adopt Solana. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fire. Incredible, man. What so? What's the big bullish um, projects aside from the ones you mentioned, like the SMB and the gaming projects? Might what was the bullish projects for twenty twenty two on Solana?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's those are the ones I'm aware of. Uh, and the beauty of of you know, being bullish is I'm bullish on like creators and people who I don't know. Like doing things that I can't imagine. So like I I couldn't even tell you what I'm bullish on in Ethereum NFTs in 2022, right? I just think there's enough great projects out there. The volume and the sustained, you know, as we talked about earlier, floor prices and Solana show you that people believe there's value in that, you know, launching high quality NFT projects in that ecosystem. There's enough money, there's enough collectors. So it's here to stay. And now it's just a matter of like people using their imagination, um, I'd love things. I'd love to see are you know more you know high quality generative art projects. I'd love to see like an Art Blocks equivalent on Solana. I know there are you know, folks trying that, and so I yeah, you know, seeing what experimentation happens and what novel new things happen is is you know that's what I'm most excited about. I'm also excited to see you know, we were talking about these gaming projects, these high throughput things to see marketplaces um, and products like you know teams like Magic Eden present you know, NFT markets in new ways. I mean, these folks, you know, have had, what, three and a half, four months of being live, and it's already, made five months, an amazing product. I can only imagine, you know, what it's going to be like in another 12.
1: What about you guys, um, Zed? You bullish on anything? Are you allowed to be bullish on anything? Do you have to be neutral? Yeah, like I didn't want to give any actual <laughs> specifics. I'm sorry. I didn't want to be like, buy this, buy that. No, no I'm bullish no, on the ecosystem. research. Yeah, but not financial advice. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: I I don't know if I can be bullish on I mean, like everyone knows I'm a proud thug. I love the thug birds. I'll I'll, I'll sort of say that. I, I won't make any predictions because I feel like uh don't want to get us into hot water. <laughs> but um no, I mean in general, like there's just I would just encourage everyone to just try stuff, and like that's what we are here for too, you know. Like, actually, we should talk about Linkstow, man, because like that—that's like the biggest, you know, representation of like let's just try some shit. Yeah. So the yeah, product, yeah. Yes. I was about exactly. to get onto that. <laughs> there we
3: go. So what I'm excited about is like on all chains. So Linkstow, you know, we did the drop um, of the you know the original membership NFTs. Effectively, what Linkstow is is it's a globally um, governed. Golf and leisure club uh, that will have physical, real-world courses, properties, and assets uh, that will be owned by a Linkstow Inc. So the corporation will actually acquire, you know, manage, operate these properties, uh, and then have partnerships with other properties, et cetera. And then the actual DAO is responsible for setting a number of the rules, um, the membership rules, uh, you know, basically the way some of the ways the treasury will be spent, et cetera. So it has like governing right, governance rights over a number of activities of the corporation. Um, so you have this globally governed organization and the way that you govern and the rights are bestowed via purchasing an NFT. So we sold um, you know, almost 9,090 9, NFTs we have. And we sold over 8,000 of them on January 1st and 2nd for you know, over $11 million, um, which gave us a healthy treasury to go execute in this vision. Um, so these are NFTs that are basically, again, membership and governance uh, tools that allow you to like vote on the future of this golf course. And then if you hold an NFT, once we actually have the physical properties, you can then use that NFT. It gives you the right to purchase a membership in the physical club. I think that's just the first of many projects like it. Uh, once we launched that and it was successful, I've had dozens of folks come inbound to me and say, oh, wow, that's a really cool novel structure. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk did something broadly similar you know, with a restaurant here in New York City where it's a token-gated NFT-based restaurant, okay? Um, the reason, by the way, we did it on Ethereum is that, again, the dollar sums were really, really high um, in aggregate. And there's just a tremendous amount, You know, we felt there was a tremendous amount of, infrastructure in place and dollar value today in Ethereum in 12 months or even six months. If we're to do another membership drop, for example, whether it's additional play, know, uh, yeah, and that'll be something that collectively the project will decide. That's the beauty of um, you know how a DAO works. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we do it on Solana, perhaps hosted in a specific page, you know, and, and portal on Magic Eating because they now work with projects to really do high quality integrated project launches. Um, so, so we're actually you know thinking deeply about that. It's still a few months out, so we're not like actively planning it. But my expectation is, were we to do, uh, you know, a next sort of NFT membership pass of that sort, we would do it. On Solana, in order by the way to get access to an entirely as I mentioned, I think there's some crossover but not complete complete crossover between the sort of collector and, and member communities uh, on the two chains um, so that excites us the um, and I think you're going to see a lot more projects use the nft as an access you know as an access place, a primitive for you know, enacting ownership and governance. So there's going to be a lot of those projects, I think a ton of them are going to be in Solana because it's accessible, um, because fees are lower, you know, it was one of the biggest pain points of our drop where people buying their NFT for the first time and realizing to mint an NFT or to mint two or three NFTs, it was going to cost them hundreds of dollars just to do the actual transaction mint.
1: Yeah, like the Snoop Dogg meme, like, (laughs) the gas (laughs) fees ain't going to be that high, right? yeah yeah but we don't yeah, thankfully, we don't have that problem with Solana um so it's it's interesting but and you're attracting a certain type of person when you when you launch a project like that, the people that have the time to go and uh, travel around the world and play golf in luxury resorts, I guess yeah that's true. That can, that's true that's true invest if, in each, uh, in a lot
3: of them were new by the way, and th- so that was interesting as well is um I think we underestimated how little people. You know, know about like people are just used to being able to go to a website and just buy something instantaneously with their credit card. By the way, there are a lot of you know, sites that do allow that, um, but then you know you have all these different setups of like doing KYC, like know your customer, and you know all kinds of things that, again, you know I, I'm of I prefer to do things, and I think the reason we're building Web three is so we have a global, open, permissionless, um, you know, financial. And and you know internet and communication and participation and ownership system. I think that's really really important. So, anyway, that's um, you know probably you know, part of the reason why like we did the drop
1: in the in the way that we did. Yeah, man. And to wrap this up, I would definitely like to spend a few minutes talking about Magic Eden and. Uh, from all of these three guys, like, why, what is Magic Eden doing that's so special? Because it clearly is doing something special to have captured 95% market share in a four month period, five month period. Uh, what, what do you think, Mike? Yeah. So,
3: look, I loved it. Like, from day one, it was uh, so when before Magic Eden, I think there were three or four different you know, marketplaces on Solana that were you know, sort of fragmented, fragmented liquidity. Um, you know, not really the just the experience, like not to throw shade, but like it didn't feel like the best experiences um on Ethereum and what or like you know what NBA Top Shot was doing their marketplace. What so was miraculous that literally from the moment it went up, Magic Eden was already a great product. And then you know within two weeks, it was even better, and it was by far and away, you know, easier to use, easier to list. And the key was because of that, it was an early emergent ecosystem that didn't have a good product. So, like you just saw a liquidity flow like within a month, and and it, ha- and it basically ate you know all of the market share. So then, in addition to just become being the best user interface, um, it was by far you know the best uh, liquidity almost instantaneously. Um, and like I think it's you know as it's basically as good I have to be careful of lots of you know investments in FT marketplaces it's it's as good as any in the world and that's just remarkable given that it's only been around for four months five months
0: yeah I'll, I'll jump in I think like there's a couple of things that Magic Eden that we really like focused on doing like uh one is you know Mike said um around the user experience we have this Kind of a philosophy, a product philosophy, a magic eden of like immersion, right? Where, um, you know, we think NFTs is going to be the future of culture and the future of community on the internet, right? This is like, uh, um, you know, we're, we're glimpsing into the, what the next generation is going to look like. And we want our users to feel inspired, right? When they come to our website and really feel, uh, you know, the sense of like stepping into the future, exploring the, you know the boundaries of what's possible. And we don't necessarily think that users have to buy NFT for them to feel inspired and for for them to feel the value. So the way that we've always thought about the product is, hey, like regardless of whether you buy something, when you step on Magic Eden, you should feel this, you know, this sense of mystery, this like sense of provocation, right? And you know, we've designed this way designed the application specifically in that, in that way. It's in dark mode. It feels like you know, it feels beautiful. It feels slick, and we're pushing a lot more features uh, down that path as well. So, for example, recently we launched uh, Eden Games, which allows you to play the game before you without actually having to uh, buy NFT at all. And for, so, basically, users can explore and experience the crypto ecosystem without having to necessarily go and buy buy the NFT. But so, number one is this thing around experience. I think like number two is yeah just a real focus on creators. So because we we touch creators all day uh, all day or night, we've got you know more than two thousand uh, collections that work with us. We really got a good sense of like their pain points. So we were one of the first products that um, uh, marketplaces that. Uh, uh, launch this launchpad uh, feature, where you know we're helping creators to do their jobs, take away a lot of the pain, uncertainty of uh, uh, of, of like managing a, a Web three mint, uh, right, and, and really take that um, complexity away from them. Uh, and that really is because we've leaned into thinking about like what pain points and what like needs creators have. Um, and I think like the third thing is, I think like we were the first to. Really think about like the marketplace as a liquidity network. Uh, so we did this like couple of deals, like to white label our marketplace with Radium, with Thugbirds, with Geckos, with Exodus. Basically, allow like putting our app inside other applications, uh, and that comes from a principle of saying, "Hey, like the users don't have to come to Magic Eden to experience Magic Magic Eden. We can bring Magic Eden to where the users are, right?" And this is really about like. So then if the users are already using other applications like Exodus or they're using, other, you know, they're already on different communities like Thugbirds, we can just bring Magic Eden to those communities without them having to, uh, to find us. And in that way, like you know, Magic Eden is like a hub and spokes model, right? So we, we're effectively like a network of, di- uh, of distribution that allows us to huh. uh, tap into like traffic and attention of, of users everywhere. So I think yeah, um, there's a couple of things that we, we you know, I think we, we did differently and, you know, that helped, helped us get to where we are today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, guys. I really enjoyed talking to you about this stuff. We could probably talk for hours, right? <laughs> is there anything, anything, any of you want to end on before we wrap this? No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate
2: the opportunity. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Z- thanks so much, Mike. It's been awesome. Thanks for the thanks for the spot and uh able to we'll do some stuff with Linksdown in the future.
1: Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Can't wait. Wow. When we're, when we're on Solana?
2: <laughs>
1: Start that hashtag. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, guys.
0: Eden Hour.
3: Thank you for listening to Eden Hour. This
0: podcast is brought to you by Magic Eden. Home to the next generation of digital creators on Solana. Find us on Twitter at Eden underscore NFT and visit us at magiceden.io.